ball goes where you hit it. Oh. They used to tell me that all the time growing up. And then recently I've added my own addition to it, which is okay. the ball goes where you hit it and might as well swing for the fences. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. At Feeding Curiosity, I hope to explore how to live better. And at the end of the day, it's about a human experience, and it's through conversation we can learn from others, their ideas, their habits, routines, and anything else they've picked up along the way. Through these conversations, we can create blueprints to live better in any form. My hope through these conversations is that you look at your own life with just a little bit more curiosity. My guest today on the podcast is Alec Eichert. Alec is a business owner, entrepreneur, ultra runner, mountaineer, and travel fanatic. Alec is one who believes in the power and resilience of the human spirit, and one who perpetually seeks to optimize life in all of its pillars. Professionally, Alec is currently the managing partner of BDV Capital Group, a boutique capital advisory firm that works with select investment groups largely focused in real estate private equity space. He comes from an entrepreneurial family and a real estate focused family business in recent years. Personally, Alec is a former Division I athlete from the University of Oregon and now an ultra marathoner and an avid mountaineer, currently climbing the highest point in all 50 states in America, while simultaneously pushing his running endurance limits consistently further. He recently completed his furthest race yet, the Ultra Race of Champions 100 kilometer or 62 miles through the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. His favorite quote encompasses how he strives to live life. One day, your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching. GW. I'm really excited to share this conversation with everyone today. And as I say in the beginning of this conversation, it's one that was probably long overdue. I will tell you all now that there will be a round two and probably more just with how much there is to cover from Alex's story. We cover some of the earlier biographical ground and the principles in which Alec was raised and still continues to live by to this day. As someone who latches on to these ideas about how to live in a specific way that is in accordance with your value set, I really resonated with much that he had to say. And the other part of this is that Alec has gone through some very significant challenges, being the passing of his father in 2016, which has been a catalyst for many of the meaningful experiences that Alec has been through in recent years. So we do some work covering that story that then catalyzed into the ultra marathoning. And we give some spark notes and early coverings of what we will later talk about here as it's just one of these stories that I'm really excited about to explore in greater detail. I think there is a lot here. And so with that, please enjoy this round one with Alec Eichert. On today's episode, we're joined by Alec Eichert. Did I get that right? Eichert. Eichert. Ah, close enough. There we go. <laughs> How's it going, Alec? Good, man. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. I feel like this has been a long time coming because I feel like the last time or when Claudia was first on the podcast, Jordan was like, you need to ask Alec too at some point. <laughs> I hope I can live up to it. She's a tough act to follow. She's impressive to say the least. I feel like that. And I may be biased. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I feel like 
in general, the, the beauty of podcasts is being able to meet impressive people that you'd never get a chance to meet otherwise. And so with that, I'd like to just start with who are you and what do you do as a intro so other people can get a feel. Yeah, I'll try to do my best to keep this succinct and meaningful. But so for work, come from a super entrepreneurial and, or let me start at the beginning, come from a very entrepreneurial and athletically focused family on the athletic side. Every guy in our families played high-level college sports. My dad played at Northwestern, football and hockey. And myself, I had the opportunity to play at a couple of different schools, finished up at Oregon for the Ducks in 2014-15. My brother right now plays for football for University of San Diego. So growing up, sports, mm-hmm. many sports at the time, too, dominated our way of life. And my parents, both from the north side of the city, Chicago, had many different businesses over the years in a variety of industries. They started restaurants, nightclubs, bars in the 90s more so. I got into retail, wholesale, and then at the turn of the century, got more into real estate, banking, and finance. And then in 09, which was right after the, in the midst of the great financial crisis, they founded our current family business, which is BDV, stands for Business Development Ventures. And we essentially, BDV Inspections, that is, I think the business was founded, or I don't think I know so, was founded as a holding company. And one of the businesses, which is the family business to date, is BDV Inspections. And in a nutshell, we partner with large lending institutions in the real estate world, or more so the banking world, and as a third-party vendor, help them inspect and evaluate their collateralized portfolios. And I can get into more details Mm -hmm. on that front. But like I said, founded in 2009, a very serendipitous time to partner with banks on the risk management side and still operates today. Do that all across the country. Myself, I took over the family business with my mom back in 2016 upon a personal loss in the family. And so myself, I left college, left football, came home. That happened ran with it to say the least, try to make the most of the situation. I'm happy to, you know, give more details on that front, but mm-hmm. that's been great. Taught me a ton about real estate banking, finance in recent years. I just recently started another division of the family business, which is BDV Capital Group. And that serves as a capital advisory platform now, which again, I'm happy to give more details mm-hmm. into that. And then besides work, which, you know, that those explanations on the work front bring us up to date. On the personal side, an avid mountaineer, ultra runner, adventurer to say the least. But yeah, reside in a suburb of outside of Chicago and life is good. It's interesting for me just because I don't come from any entrepreneurial background whatsoever and not too much athletically. The athletics part is more of a newer thing for me. And so for you, like growing up, just being exposed to just this variety of just evolution that you see your parents doing, what was that like? Or at least how did that help you just adapt to change in some sense? Yeah. Growing up in an entrepreneurial environment conditions you definitely be familiar with riding the wave, if Mm -hmm. we will. High highs, low lows, everything in between. It's definitely an acquired taste. It's not a lifestyle for everybody. That's for sure. But great lessons learned over the the years, especially watching my parents go through multiple businesses and again, many great times, but also naturally you operate businesses for long enough. You uh, experience various market cycles and mm-hmm. have to endure and adjust and adapt to changing times and it teaches you a lot about resilience, a lot about mm-hmm. adaptability, but yeah, learned a lot of lessons over the years and knew enough to know I certainly had an entrepreneurial interest heading forward, but also my personal scenario and the events that occurred around 2016 that led me to inheriting the family business kind of didn't necessarily, it's not like I got into it 
on pure life happened and I'm not someone to dwell on the past, make the most of it, learn lessons if we can, hopefully, and move forward, make the most of the situation at the time and still to date. And it's been great. I truly wouldn't want things differently, although certainly come with uh, some challenges you yeah. know, over the recent years. And again, it's an acquired taste of a lifestyle, so I can't make that clear enough. Yeah. It's definitely not as glamorous as I think it's made out to be. <laughs> I think you're right with that, or at least as I was starting to finish college, I just remember it just felt like everyone was wanting to become an entrepreneur or you see it on Instagram profiles or whatever. And I'm just like, there's something weird happening where it became like a, a token thing to just slap onto something. Because if you say you're an entrepreneur, people look at you differently or something. And it makes me always wonder like how you label yourself says something about what you think about labels. Like I'm not a big fan of labeling. They're useful as shorthands, but they don't help you. They don't usually tell you about the value of a person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I follow. It's instead of worrying about the label and say, I'm an entrepreneur, it's more of like, how do you carry yourself or what do you think about yourself? And how would you define yourself? Like something you value? Yeah, that's a great question. It's tough not to take that super philosophically. Yeah, go um, wherever you want with it. Like <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of performance psychology and meaning making. So Sure. Yeah, no, I love the question. Like how would you define yourself? For me, first and foremost, I think I'm wired to optimize or at least try to. Mm -hmm. So I view all of life's pillars. Or I view all of life in pillars in a sense. And so it's health, wealth, love, happiness, spirituality, fulfillment attached to happiness, if we will. But also looking at each pillar, because I think balance is critical. And those that know me maybe won't say I'm ideal at balancing, but I certainly give it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, looking at each pillar, looking at health and making sure first and foremost, am I healthy? Am I investing into my health properly? You know, I'm, again, growing up in an athletic environment definitely paved the way to, I definitely, What's the right way to put it? Pave the way to prioritize staying active. Staying yeah, like a foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it laid an awesome foundation in place. We're now definitely more in a professional stage of life. It's still essential to, at the end of the day, health is everything. That's the simple way yeah, to put it. So you sure. can't neglect it. I unfortunately know too many in the work world that I would say do. And it's unfortunate. I think, and again, too, like I've personal experiences that yeah. definitely is a, major wake up call in my own life to say, you know, never neglect or let your health go in any regard. So keep that first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And I would say in line, obviously with spirituality, faith, however one defines it or whatever they may believe in. But I think there's a lot to be said about having faith and something to believe in as cliche as that may be. And then from there, you know, obviously happiness, love, fulfillment. Again, there's probably a lot of ways to separate it, but you know, surrounding yourself with people that loved ones, mm -hmm. that you love to be around support you, just create an awesome environment. Yeah. And then I think work and not that work deserves to be at the bottom. But at the end of the day, I think life is super short. It's fragile. People need to be pretty mindful of, like you said, the original question along the lines of what do you want to be remembered for? Or yeah. how would you define yourself? I think more people need to go down that mental pathway and think about that because from what I've learned, at least it takes a wake up call for most people personally to really ask themselves those questions. And I think why wait for the wake up call as someone who went through it mm -hmm. myself and my family did, you'll learn a lot through the process. And I don't think we're going to sit here and say, we wish things were different because you learned valuable lessons. Of course, I still wish my dad was here and everything, but 
the lessons learned through that experience have been truly life-changing and I would be nowhere where I'm at today if it wasn't for what I went through. I just getting back to the main point, think more people need to ask sooner than later, what's their purpose? What matters to them? How mm-hmm. do they really want to spend their time? It doesn't necessarily equate to working 40 hours a week and making a good buck. And I know there's a lot to say on down that road, but for me, at least it's been, how do I optimize life? How do I stay healthy, surround myself with great people? Just really try to enjoy every single day while still be working towards meaningful goals down the road. My dad even used to say, live every day as if, you know what, I'm messing it up as we speak. He used to say, I'm trying to (laughs) phrase it properly, something along the lines of live in a way as if you were to die tomorrow and live forever. And I think that's a beautiful paradox. Sounds like a Cohen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sam Harris is apt recently. Okay. Right on. Cohen's a paradoxical, like Zen Buddhism thing that can like spark enlightenment. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, spot on. (laughs) Yeah. The paradox is meaningful for sure. That's really, that's really good stuff. Is that something your dad was like into? Just because it sounds like you've just been in this more, I don't even know what the category, like, now would be considered like a wellness, like life fulfillment, meaning making type category. But do you know where like your parents had these ideas about pursuing the more meaningful things in life that maybe can't be measured as well, or at least not measured on like a checkbook? (laughs) Yeah. No, again, that's a great question. I don't know. I think clearly these are principles that have just been evident in the family over many years. And maybe it's a product of living a very entrepreneurial life and naturally going through all the ups and downs that's associated with it. We're a super close family, something I'm forever grateful for. And again, the time of the transition, really grateful that myself, my mom, younger brother, super close, super mm-hmm. supportive, still to date, can't express enough positive things about all of our relationship. And I know for a fact that it's been absolutely crucial to be Mm -hmm. this close going through hard times and obviously moving forward towards good ones as well. You know, that's been beautiful and super grateful for that. But yeah, you asked where were these principles embedded in? Yeah, I'm just curious. Where did they come up or was it just an organic thing? (laughs) I would say organic, honestly, because again, my brother's interpretation of takeaways may be much different than mine. I can't say that we would sit down at the family table and review our principles as right. a family as much as I think we're open to that nowadays. That'd be interesting. Just yeah. To see, just to see how that would shake out. I'm all for it. Ray Dalio style. You right, know, exactly. Listing principles out and how you want to live. It's certainly a way that I live now looking forward. And as much as people may be interested around me, I'm happy to share that. Or at least the principles that make a difference in my life. But yeah, I think, you know, how I learned this, these principles probably through just exposure over the years yeah. to a variety of things. But be, again, being around great people all across the board. Yes. Yeah, so th- through such a variety of measures, but yeah. definitely environment for sure is where I would credit it. Mm-hmm. A family for sure, but obviously far past that, just people I've lucky to been lucky enough to be around. And honestly, probably the good, bad and everything in between. Yeah. Right. The so. things you can't remember in the moment. Right? Yes, exactly. The, the One of the things that kind of because you've mentioned your dad so much and he's clearly sure. such a focal point in your life. Can you remember anything else that like from you either growing up or just other words of wisdom that he may have shared with you that still stick with you or maybe remind you of him? The ball goes where you hit it. Oh, he used to tell me that all the time growing up. And then recently I've added my own addition to it, which is okay. the ball goes where you hit it and might as well swing for the fences. And that's embedded in other principles I've come across recently in other books, specifically that one, Stephen Schwartzman, the co-founder of Blackstone wrote a okay. book recently called what it takes. And in the end of the book, 
he lists out his 25 rules for work and life, I believe. Okay. Um, Sounds like Ray Dalio's book. Similar, yeah. for sure. And it's been awesome, I think, from my perspective, an avid reader to see a lot of these notable business characters that are in the later stages of life and in the sense that they've built their companies, have achieved a ton, and now they're in a very philanthropic stage of life, I think. And that comes through a variety of ways, but one of which is they seem to be writing books yeah. that are memoirs and recordings or reflections on their life and principles learned and giving back through that. And I was you know, really happy to see Stephen Schwartzman write one on his experience, but in the 25 rules for work and life, one of the principles was from him that it takes the same amount of energy to do something big as it does to do something small. So Mm. choose accordingly. And I love that essence. And so my dad always used to tell me the ball goes where you hit it, which I think is phenomenal to date. And Mark Manson's recent book, The Subtle Art of Not Caring. Keep it clean. (laughs) Yes, to put it appropriately for (laughs) listeners of all ages. So one of my main takeaways from his book is radical responsibility. Yeah. The notion of radical responsibility. And I can't agree with that enough. And so I think the same principle or the same takeaway is embedded in what my dad used to say of the ball goes where you hit it. Understand you're the one driving your ship, yeah. sailing your ship and own up to that, the good, the bad, everything in between and take action or take responsibility on your actions and I think that has substantially deeper meaning to it, depending on however one interprets it. And then I add on to that, of course, swing for the fences because, yeah, I'm at least wired to, yeah, you know, go for some of the bigger things of life. But, and that's rooted in mountains running. uh, Right. You know, we'll definitely get there, at least try to get there in this relationships. Yeah. First episode. But there's so many things I want to pull on at this point. This is so interesting for me because I, I resonate with so many of the qualities or the principles themselves. Like, at least for me, the idea of responsibility has always been front and center of everything that I do. I'm not going to ask a friend. I'm not going to ask a coworker or I'm not going to even ask like a listener. If I'm going to tell them something to try, I need to have at least tried to do that for myself before I'm going to even offer it and put it on the table. Cause if I'm not willing to do the thing or whatever, then why should I even say it? Sure. And I'm just curious, like what you think about responsibility, like at a larger scale, just in general, because did you even realize that that was what you were doing when you took over the company? Like just showing up and be like, this is what's required of me. This is what life is asking of me. So very close family <laughs> trying to, you know, phrase this in the proper way here. The answer to the question is yes. So the short answer. <laughs> yes. The short answer is yes. And if that's good enough, we'll go to the next one. But no, it's, He always told me, and especially, so for context, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer back in 2014. I, at the time, had just left Taylor University, a private Christian liberal arts university in Indiana, played football, ran track there, enjoyed my studies, was transferring to a bigger school, turned out to be Oregon, played football there, had the opportunity to, and that was awesome. And so in the midst of that transition, right when I got to Oregon, had committed, showed up, I think this was October then, so in the midst of the first in the midst of that season, he got diagnosed rather unexpectedly with stage four colon cancer. That was expectedly, or now in hindsight, expectedly, but at the time, obviously not expected, the most challenging mm-hmm. moment of life by a long shot. So that happened. And again, just a 
keep us succinct for now. And again, I'm happy to dive into more mm-hmm. details if interested or beneficial, but as his cancer, not that it necessarily had a ton of room to progress, it was already stage four from the get-go, but as it just metastasized into other areas and he went through the treatment process, I knew enough at the end of that 2014-15 season to want to come back home, undoubtedly, and be with the family, be with him, support the family business. And I did that. I came back home in 2015. And when I was home, that obviously gave him and I a bunch more time to spend together. Mm -hmm. And in light of his current situation at that time, you know, him and I had conversations where he just made clear, look, the situation right now is, it is what it is. And he was, I can't stress enough, the most optimistic, strong willed and spirited person I've ever come across. And the the mountains that I do now, the ultra running, everything else in life period is a total product of how inspired I still am because of his spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was magnificent to to witness. Two years of stage four cancer and the man never complained, oh. never didn't have a smile on his face. And he was probably one of the most powerful takeaways was literally two weeks before he passed, he was in hospice and mm-hmm. we still were making, he still had me come to his office making business plans <laughs> for ways to expand the family business. And man, that is insane to me. Strength can, of will is <laughs> incredible. It's unbelievable. And like, I wish I could ask him now, but I think about his thought on legacy and just what was going through his mind as he was going through everything. He had gone through every element of cancer treatment, mm-hmm. metastasized to this brain briefly, and then it was down to his liver. Mm-hmm. Just, it is unbelievable to me to think about obviously I think about just what he went through and obviously there's a massive component that wishes he would have never experienced that of course but his spirit through it all is like the epitome of just strength and courage and the human will perseverance resilience I'm sure there's a ton of terms to use but and that really again is the foundation for everything I'm doing looking forward Mm -hmm. it's when I'm in mile 50 of the recent (laughs) ultra marathon I was going to bring that up as a segue into that so if you want to just talk about what it what the ultra was and then you've alluded to the why sure but just explain that portion and if I can let me answer the previous question I know that was a long-winded way to get there but what I was ultimately getting at is in light of in the midst of his experience, he did make it clear to me, look, one day, whether it's now or whether it's frankly 50 years from now, the baton is going to be passed to you and your brother and your mom. And so we never had any specific conversations where he sat me down and said, here's what you're going to do with the family business. And here's how you should live looking forward. Mm -hmm. But I think it was a product of how close our family is and just how I've watched him live, how my dad lived, Mm -hmm. how my mom lived and still lives, of course, and my brother as well and extended family. It was just very evident. There's a specific way to live that takes responsibility that just, I can get into all the other principles that are meaningful in our family. But yeah, so the baton was passed. And Mm -hmm. I think when the moment happened, I was just conditioned in a way where I said, look, like this is a terribly difficult time in my and my family's and dear friends and my father's lives. But at the same time, life moves on. And so that was my wake up call, which probably is a good segue into the mountaineering and ultra running yeah. and stuff. But that was by far the biggest moment in my life where it hit me, the freight train of reality yeah. hit me dead on, which was life is short, fragile unexpected and in the midst of everything I'm going to do moving forward, really make sure that I want to do this. Yeah. You know, I'm putting and investing my time into something meaningful in yeah. every pillar of life. And that's full circle where the pillars right. came yeah, from, for, where everything came real. from. I mean, it's, it was a total rearrangement. Not that I was living even poorly before then, but it was just like, 
a massive moment of getting focused. And yeah. honestly, that focus it's, has never left. And I frankly hope it never leaves because it you know, fuels me and everything I do. I, I think it's one of those things I can't help but think about the moment that the world has faced with COVID and looking at your experiences as a way to think about how this whole COVID thing is going to affect people or like how I'd hope people would come out of this of being more aware of what it is they do with their time or what they value in their life and the people they value more than anything. Yeah. Because I just can't help but notice just like one, the organic nature of just your trajectory. You didn't really have a plan. It was like, here's the activities and the environment that I'm in and everyone just does what's asked of them in, and they just meet every challenge with as much authenticity as they possibly can and then just keep going. There's not as much resistance and you're pretty a stoic guy in general, just from what I know of you. And it's, but it's one of those qualities that I can't help, but just, it's like immersing yourself in the present and not really thinking too far forward or too far back and just be like, here's where I'm at. And I can't really worry about what's coming or where I've been. Yeah, no, totally. I, the little bit I would add to that in total agreement with what you just said mm-hmm. is like the past has phenomenal lessons rooted in history that everyone can learn from that is inevitable or that's just like undeniable yeah more proper word to use but the present is the presence like regardless of any of our decisions whether we (laughs) like it or not the burden or the the you know burden of responsibility is still on as you said earlier which everyone that knows me really well knows i use this phrase all the time which is keep going but that is like what i think about i'll have I think the responsibility in a sense, and I put that delicately understanding, you know, there's probably a lot of different interpretations of that, but mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to keep going. I think it's in the best interest, at least I'll speak for myself to keep going. And that's what occurred when the transition happened in 2016. And it's a worthwhile, if not the most important principle in my life to date, because again, regardless of, and it's often, obviously it comes up in the presence of challenges in work in relationships, even if upon a like small disagreement or mm-hmm. obviously and if you choose to do adventurous things in my world, again, the running and the climbing and for work, like the entrepreneurial journey is so hard and that should never be overlooked. Yeah. Like, and as someone that's now living it, I'll be the first to say, <laughs> celebrate all the wins along the road, yeah. uh, little, big, everything in between, but it's definitely not an easy path, period, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing or what you choose. So I always think about keep going and I think that applies across the board. That's I'm just loving every second of this honestly right now it just it always blows me away whenever I have a chance to just talk to people or hear stories of people that are grounded in the struggles of life. I always think of like when we do anything in life it's like why do you work out or why do you do anything like in modern society we have to choose to work out. We have a special name for it and a special place to go do it. Because it's life has been, there's going to be people who are going to be upset if I say this, but life has been nerfed in so many ways and and you've rounded the edges. But in reality though, it's no matter how nerfed life is, there's always going to be a curveball that gets thrown your way and you have to learn to deal with it. Or at the very least, instead of being a mountain, maybe it's a speed bump, but you still got to have shock absorbers. Totally. (laughs) Complete agreement. And I think the uh, the more that people are expecting that, look, even when your plan looks absolutely beautiful, 
there's a thousand percent chance that it's not going to go according <laughs> to plan, no matter what your plan is. To give credit to Mike Tyson and the very popular quote, I'm sure many people saw it coming, but we all have a plan until we get punched in the face. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's a worthwhile framework to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And I even bring this up in many meetings recently, more, you know, catered to my work life, but I at least follow, and I think it was, it's been brought up multiple times by mentors and partners even. I'm definitely someone that in recent years, especially when I was new to the entrepreneurial journey, got distracted a lot by flashy opportunities. Mm. And so as time went on, I was embedded in the family business, but definitely still trying other ventures on the side. It became really clear, like if I'm going to be as successful as I want to be, I need to narrow the focus in for the time being in one venture and one specific path and have tried my best to date to do. But I think at the same time, and now looking forward, I follow the principle of be specific in your endpoint and destination of where you want to go, have a clear vision of whatever that endpoint looks like, but be flexible in your ability to get there. And I've, I know where I want to go. But I'm okay if I'm on an interstate that has seven lanes and I may <laughs> swerve, but I know that I'm going the right direction. Yeah. And I think that at least personally has resonated recently because I think that's a beautiful way to move forward, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we know to what we were just talking about a bit ago, unexpected things are going to come up, curveballs are going to be thrown. But if you're not limited to just your one single very narrow lane yep. where you get knocked <laughs> off and you think, oh my gosh, do I need to change my endpoint? Yep. I don't necessarily think that you could just have a lot of investment to get to that point. And there's a lot of good embedded into it. And there's a ton to be said about persistence, keep going. And so broaden out that lane to get there. I'm a big fan of that. I I think it's one of the, one of the core reasons why I really got into this was I just felt as a young person being of the millennial age group, it just felt like there was a trajectory that all of us had to follow. You go through high school, then you go and get your college degree, and then you'll get a good job, whatever the good job means to you. And then then you go and move out, whatever, all that stuff. Like you check the box. And if you check every box, then all of a sudden you'll have whatever a good life means. But as I was getting older, I was just like, this doesn't, this seems so tiny in comparison to what the entire kaleidoscope that is life. And I, even for me, I I picked engineering only because the category of engineering is so broad that no matter what, where I ended up specifically, it would be a success because I like, and just enjoyed the category enough that even if I was doing something that I didn't really, I would find something I would really enjoy just by having the skill in it. And it was, it was always just interesting because especially like looking back at my parents, it was like, I don't see that their trajectory where you could just go work 30 years and have a good life didn't seem like it was an option. So I just try to talk about these things because I think it's, you have to be open to the pivoting. That's like another way of saying broaden your lane because I always just saw you can pick your goal, but your goal doesn't need to be like, if I don't cross that boundary or whatever, then I failed because I think we take the the loss too quick. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And even to parallel it to ultra running if yes. you want to run down that yes. road. These races now, at least where I've got to, and I'm happy to start us at square one because maybe it's a worthwhile story, but... It probably is just because <laughs> most people, like even for me, is like when I say like I run three miles, a lot of people are like, what the hell? Why would you run more than one? <laughs> <laughs> and the ultra running doctrine would say, if you want it, if you started with one, 
you ran three, you got through it, and you didn't die, even though it might have been uncomfortable or filled with discomfort, the fact that you are like standing maybe a few hours later, respectively <laughs> for the three mile run, hopefully you're standing a few mi- a few hours later. Once you recover, maybe even in the midst of recovery, you think maybe I can go a little bit further. And yeah. for me, do you want to get into the yeah. kind of backdrop? Let's okay. do it. And we'll come back to it probably often because again, I'm sure it's clear now, like the transition to 2016 was a monumental life change for me. Yep. So besides the work adjustments and all that I inherited on that front, I think back now and really it was a product of, are you familiar with Team Never Quit podcast? I've heard of Team Never Quit. Okay. So Marcus Luttrell is one of, at that time it was two hosts, Marcus Luttrell, Lone Survivor um, was one of them, incredibly powerful story. And then his partner, I think it was David Rutherford, but if I mispronounced that, my apologies, but it was... So these two, and they basically, the premise of the show was they would have fascinating human characters on to tell their stories of endurance and perseverance and overcoming just wild circumstances. And it was amazing. So many fascinating guests. And again, the transition happened in June of 2016. I was listening to this podcast in July, August. Okay. And I really think it was no more than two months after the transition. So in 20 in August that I was listening to TNQ and they had this guest on called named David Goggins. And honestly, I think about that all the time. It was probably with respect to Jesse Itzler and living with Mm -hmm. the seal, which is a very well-written funny book to say the least (laughs) and inspiring. I recommend that a bunch. Jesse, which I can, you know, I'm happy to get into Jesse's story, but Jesse's an awesome character. I totally recommend people look Jesse Itzler up, but he was doing, I believe the San Diego one day, which is a hundred mile stage race. I believe basically it was Jesse and three other partners or maybe a few other partners and they would break up the hundred mile distance into okay. sections. Gotcha. And at the, as they were at this race, and I think this really was the public founding moment for David Goggins. At least that's how I'm piecing things together. It's a stage race. So people are on a team and you're running a hundred miles, but broken up into sections. And then attending this race is this, I don't know how tall David Goggins is, but he's decently tall. I think he said at the time he was weighing like maybe 245, oh 250. He might've been heavier. I don't know. Yeah. But he was, he said at the time, you, the day before this race, a fellow Navy SEAL buddy, I believe, called him out in the gym to do a, like a hardcore lifting session. And so he was squatting and deadlifting and benching. I think the story goes a tremendous amount of weight too, by any measure. And because I do believe he was caught up in just making sure he upheld his reputation yeah. uh, amongst close In, in typical fellow, Goggin style. Yeah, military <laughs> members. But anyways, he goes to the San Diego one day. And the reason he was running that was because he was inspired to run what's known as the Badwater 135. And 135 mile foot race through Death Valley are largely considered to be one of the hardest races in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Temperatures, they run it specifically, I think, in July or August. So it's the hottest it can be. (laughs) Hottest it can be. We're talking like maybe north of 115 degrees at times. And the story I've heard, at least, is that it's so hot for runners running on the pavement when they're truly in the low point of Death Valley during this race that they have to bring multiple pairs of shoes because just the surface heat burns through the soles. Oh, my God. Just insane. And my perspective hearing this at first was like, that is 
out of this world. <laughs> and so anyways, David was training for that. And the race director told him, you need to run maybe one or two hundred mile races. You basically need to qualify and you yeah. need to run a hundred miles and under a certain amount of time. And so he had looked up and I guess one of the only races that was before the bad one water 135 that gave him a chance of qualifying was the San Diego one day. So he shows up now it's a just notorious story, but, uh, <laughs> or just maybe notorious isn't the right word, but it is such a insane story shows up, I think with nothing more than Pedialyte or its equivalent and some Ritz crackers, I think, Oh my God. which is just unbelievable. Long story short, I don't want to, in the case that I may be missing some of the details of mm -hmm. his story, I just recommend anyone like listen to David Goggins content, but David Goggins ran this hundred mile race. And he said by mile 70, he was pretty much at the brink of death and his body was shutting down. And the story is unbelievable. It's not something that like someone's going to be truly inspired to go replicate. Yeah, because he, it sounds awful. <laughs> I mean, he barely made it. I think it truly was a divine moment or divine experience in a sense, because just inspired by this man's San Diego story and Jesse Itzler witnessed this and was clearly blown away. <laughs> he hired David Goggins to come live with him for 30 days and Jesse Itzler is a very successful entrepreneur, also ultra runner okay. and just adventurer and totally someone that looks to optimize life in every pillar. Okay. And he's married to Sarah Blakely, who's a founder of Spanx. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So they come from a prominent world. And Jesse Itzler sold his company, Marquee Jet, to Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. And that was Jesse's wow. major wealth creation event. But mm -hmm. just... An insane collaboration. Yeah, uh, very it's a inspiring. weird in, like, mix of personalities oh. all coalescing in a weird way that I would never <laughs> expect. <laughs> yeah, so much there. And so anyways, I, I apologize for taking such a long it's all good. way to get to That's what podcasts are for. where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate this is open-ended. So for better or for worse, I'll run, for, I'll run with these stories. But yeah, so that whole story happened. And I believe David Goggins made this appearance on TNQ, told this story, told up to date at that time, his ultra running experience. And I heard enough from his story to just be super inspired by, I'd think this ultra running thing is insane. I was a sprinter in track. So did the Oh, wow. So it was completely different. <laughs> I hadn't run a mile in, I kid you not, like maybe years. Like yeah. it's been a while. I wouldn't even like to do 400 meters, let right. alone four times that. And Heard that. And just again, to piece things together, because I know we'll have to, we may come back to this on the mm -hmm. mountaineering side, but the very following podcast, I believe, was one of the Romero family, which is a father and son who the son, I believe, with, at the time, the youngest or amongst the youngest in the world to complete the seven summits, climbing the highest point of each continent, which for Asia is Everest, of course, and the other peaks are certainly not a walk in the park either. <laughs> but his son did it, I want to say, between the ages of seven and 13. No way. Which is just unbelievable. And I heard the Romeros and hearing their climbing experience inspired me to say, or at least look into the mountaineering world. Mm -hmm. And I thought seven summits, it's not happening tomorrow, that's for sure. But <laughs> I thought of this idea of climbing the highest point of all 50 states in America. Oh. And that's where 50 States, 50 Summits, the inspiration for it came from. So we can circle back there. David Goggins' podcast definitely inspired me to think this ultra running world may have a lot of merit to it. It may be a worthwhile journey. And again, too, like I was coming off of to date, the still most life-changing experience I've ever went through and witnessing my dad's spirit for two plus years and just the legacy that was left behind. And for me, ended sports for the first time. I didn't have a formal sport 
dominating my schedule for the first time in 20 years. Wow. And or near that time, mm-hmm. maybe 18 years exactly. And all those things culminated in me pretty much finishing the podcast and thinking, all right, I got to do something. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go run 135 miles yet. So <laughs> instead, I called to date one of my best friends up, Matt O'Brien, who has just been a tremendous running partner ever mm-hmm. since that call. He's obviously a brother to me too, but I have so much love for the kid, for the guy, because he was crazy enough to like just totally accept that yeah. I impulsively signed us up for a half marathon that was no more than maybe a month or two away. <laughs> and we hadn't run at all. And I was just totally, hey, we're going to do this thing in my own world. <laughs> Look, I'm pretty athletic. I'm sure. Trust me, I'm sure. <laughs> I can run 13 miles. I've played a lot of sports. I've had right. decent success. So we're going to give that a go. And my dear friend, Matt, luckily he was like, yeah, man, that sounds cool. But I literally called him up and I'm pretty sure I did sign us both up without even checking with him. <laughs> and I just called him and was like, hey, we got a half marathon because he heard the same podcast, I yeah. think. And so I was like, look, like this is inspiring stuff. This is what we need to do. He didn't question it in classic, just brotherhood fashion. Yeah, we all need that friend that just agrees with the crazy uh, plan. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt we did it he was more trained and you know better uh prepared than i was i mm. the short version is went to a wedding the evening before and those that actually know the full length of the story showed up to this half marathon not in ideal condition <laughs> and managed to just get through all 13 miles i don't recommend my training approach to anybody um definitely refined since then <laughs> yes somewhat and as you'll s- soon find out in a second it didn't get much better in the races to come but i did it i think we even ran the half marathon in two hours and 15 minutes mm-hmm. like to date if i go run a half marathon it's probably around that time wow and our strategy was literally run fast for maybe three quarters of a mile and then just walk a hundred meters wow and just repeat it and i was at the brink of stepping out on the side of the woods and regaining composure for most of that race. I couldn't drink or eat a single thing. I was in rough condition. It just still was like, it's not that far more. Just do your little fast run here and step to the side. But it was a great experience. And then after I recovered from that, (laughs) I'm thinking about it and it makes me laugh still because time went by. I had no interest in running. And then I literally heard, I remember this like it was yesterday, Goggins podcast on Joe Rogan, the first episode. And I mean, that was the first time I ever heard Goggins and I was immediately hooked. (laughs) I think so many people were, and I heard it and I'll never forget it. I was like in a road trip. I was in California and it was as inspirational as hearing his first story Mm -hmm. uh, on TNQ. And I literally called my buddy Matt up again and said, Hey, and he just listened to the podcast too, I think. And I was like, are we on the same page? And he was like, yep. (laughs) Perfect. And I was like, I think I'm going to sign us up for something like today. Because <laughs> once the thought happened, I was like, it's a no brainer. We're going to run with You're this. Like, it's over. <laughs> Say no more. And so in light of Goggin's story, I literally, I think we both came across this at the same time, found the trail marathon in Death Valley and it couldn't have been more perfect. And so we signed up. It was in December of 2018. Again, my buddy Matt trained pretty well for it. I... Just for reasons that are just tough to get into, uh, <laughs> I don't even like running that much. And so it's like I'm more into just the achievement and like the journey of the achievement itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like a marathon's a long time. And so I just, in a sense, look forward to the thrill of definitely training 
And I know if there's any medical professionals that are like, this guy <laughs> is just totally setting himself up for failure, uh, or at least injury to say the least. But I do train, so that's my brief disclosure, <laughs> is I do take an appropriate approach at this. But there's definitely room for improvement. And so my buddy Matt trained. I definitely did not. And that experience... That Death Valley Trail Marathon is a whole story in itself. And I don't know. We, we might have to put a pin in that one because we're almost at that, the, the hour mark. I don't want to give you too long. Yeah, that's a story to come back to. But that yeah. that probably uh, second, of course, to the transition in 2016 was by far the biggest life-changing event I've ever gone through. Ill-prepared, but still very excited to do it traveled a long way to get there. They bust us off mm -hmm. in the middle of the desert on the Nevada side. The race director, there was only maybe a hundred of us, basically pointed to a mountain range just down this empty desert road and said, you're running over that, follow the road. And on the other side is the finish line. If you get off the road, you're not going the right way. So you're at your own disposal, pay attention, have fun. And that was it. And there was five aid stations. And again, in the interest of time, it's tough to not get into the full story just for context, but I ran the first six miles at a pretty good pace mm -hmm. and, and my body just shut down. I mean, in ways that I would have never expected. Wow. And then do you remember what the temperature was like? I'm assuming the temperature be... wasn't that crazy because we did it in the later part of fall. Okay. So uh, it wasn't like, so it wasn't, wasn't Death crazy, Valley yet. <laughs> but the environment of Death Valley, which is now it's clear in hindsight, it's just such a, it's a rough place. The air is just so dry. Everything that probably gave sufficient reason to call it Death Valley is totally living up to its <laughs> notorious reputation. Makes sense. hundred <laughs> percent. And so, yeah, I ran till mile six or seven. Body started definitely breaking down in various ways. And then the short version is it pretty much was like the most miserable yet yeah persevering experience from mile seven to literally finishing the race 26.2 that like, I went through so much in that experience <laughs> I was there's points I was lying down I just totally run broken. the gamut of life in, was, in one race oh my goodness and that you nailed it you know it's a proper kind of sped up segue into the other races which is after Death Valley, first off, I, again, I don't recommend people in any way follow what I did for that race. There was a personal experience. I knew what I was searching for yeah. and I definitely found it and some <laughs> and a lot uh, in that race and experience. I was like immobile for the next four to six weeks. Wow. I couldn't even hop on my feet. My like, bottom of my feet were shattered. Crazy. Yeah, we're, we're definitely gonna have to circle back. Yeah, and no, it's a worthwhile. To, um, just do a whole podcast on that one race probably. <laughs> It sounds like there's more than enough there. Man, it was, yeah, it, it was, there was just, because that's the thing, like mile zero to six was its own chapter. Yeah. And then mile six to 12 was its own. And then 12 to 18 was its own. Man. And then like finishing was, yeah, probably like the most inspiring part of the entire experience and definitely something that, you know, as I've taken with me ever since, but mm -hmm. Anyways, survived Death Valley, fast forward, did a 50K in Chicago in 2019 wow. in the winter time, or it was December, or maybe it was February, I apologize, it was February. And so colds, unpleasant, but got through that. That was a great experience. And then did my first 50 miler in Monument Valley in Southern Utah through this like legit desert. There was over 35 miles of soft sand 
that was a wow. wild experience. Climbed on top of plateaus and buttes, and it was on protected Nav- Navajo land. Oh, cool! And so That's amazing really cool. to be able to run that race and. That race definitely has stories of its own. 50 miles did it in 13 and a half hours. Awesome experience. Probably one of the happiest moments of my entire life finishing that race. And then just maybe two, three weeks ago, ran my first 100K in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. 15 and a half hours. Started at 5 p.m., finished at 8.30 a.m. Wow. That race was super special. It was actually 62 miles on the day, my dad's birthday is May 1st. It was on May 1st when he would have turned 62 years old. So that was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, super meaningful and so grateful to have all of my loved ones there and a great majority of them. And yeah, the support was incredible. So mm-hmm. such a meaningful race in so many ways. And then we're gearing up for a hundred miles soon. Really? To nice. be determined what specific race, but that's really what we set out to do from the get-go. So to be determined. That's awesome. There's so many more places we can go, but we're already almost hitting that hour mark. I had a feeling we were going to have more than enough to go on, but I don't want to keep you any more than you should, especially on a Friday. But I'm just super inspired by everything that you've had to share this far. And it's more than anything, I'm just excited to see where it goes because it's just cool. Because I, I, someone nowadays with the internet, we could just fly on the wall and people achieve things and do things. You're like, man, that's cool but you don't get a chance to really ask that person about the cool things or why they do the, th- the cool things that they do because there's always a story. So I just really appreciate you making the time to, to sit down and share some of the experiences with me. Some of the questions that I like to just end with is you've already mentioned some books. So either you can share other books that you think other people should uh, check out or now just given the human achievement and just striving to find your own limits, seeking your own limits and keep going. What would you recommend to either a young person or since we're all restarting now with the coming out of this pandemic, just what would you recommend someone who's pivoting or just re-entering the world? <laughs> so on the book side, and there's so many out there, yeah, but ones you'd gifted or most totally. recommend that yeah. stick with you. How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, and then Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Both are absolutely timeless books we talked about mm-hmm. before the podcast started. Uh, yeah, I can't express enough how meaningful and valuable the principles in those books are literally no matter what you do what you're interested in what you end up doing ahead and then there's so many books depending on what (laughs) pillar you're focused on and I can get into a whole bunch because books really have been a tremendous part of just my own learning experience and have made the world of difference so you know, I'd say no matter what you're interested in find books stories prominent figures in that space and learn what was done before you and history is just so meaningful in that in that regard it's been said so many times fine it's much more it's much more inexpensive in so many ways to learn from others mistakes as opposed to your own so if you can expedite that process of seeking wisdom dude but besides the books because again they're just i can't reiterate enough there's so many out there yeah i would need to be (laughs) funneled into one specific category but just something that I've lived by and for what it's worth, I'd recommend to others is definitely seek experiences that push you out of your comfort zone. For me, it was running, it was the mountain climbing, which both of those still continue to happen and only seem to be happening on a larger scale, but even for work. And again, the entrepreneurial journey, or even it could be in a corporate setting or anything in between, inevitably there's a lot of situations that come up 
in life, even with relationships too, moments of discomfort. And I think our ability to not be held back by that, but definitely recognize it, accept that it exists, but also understand like if you move forward, there's a great chance that you're going to get through that. Maybe it won't be the most pleasant experience at first. There's a lot to be said for repetition and familiarity. And over time, I think you'll be amazed in the variety of ways that you'll grow through seeking experiences that may be a bit outside of your comfort zone. Cool. I can't appreciate it anymore. This is a lot of fun for for me. Not only be doing this in person again, because there's something special about talking to someone, but why people do are driven to the things that are meaningful to them. It's really cool. And there's definitely going to be a round two for sure at this point. (laughs) Probably probably more than a round two at this point. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to, you know, come on here and chat with you. Like you said, it was long overdue. And I think what you're doing is awesome to just any platform that provides the opportunity to share people's stories all across the board. I think each person's story is so fascinating in their own regard. And so there's so much to be learned from it. And for those like you and I that love to connect genuinely with other people. It's just fascinating. I think what you're doing is awesome. Congrats on all the success so far and excited to see all that continues to develop looking forward. Appreciate it. It's become a thing that I never would have thought. It's like I've given myself this job that becomes has become one of the most fulfilling aspects of my life, which I never would have ever thought of to be a thing. And so I guess to just end it out so people can maybe go follow you on the internet somewhere is where is the best place people can connect with you? Yeah. Instagram, on the adventurous front is probably the best. It's just my first and last name together, Alec Eichert. Mm-hmm. So the show notes for perfect. people. I'll save everyone the spelling. <laughs> and yeah, and then equivalent on the work side, LinkedIn. Cool. So same thing, first and last name. And other than that, look forward to round two. And thanks again for the opportunity. This is yeah, awesome. This is awesome. Till next time, everyone. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash feeding curiosity slash support, or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very, very serious. Honestly, I just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible. At the very least, If you want to do anything to support the podcast, leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe, like, rate it, all that. It helps out a ton. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you join in on the next episode.